When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Big Vets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! He did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the weekend college basketball betting preview. I'm Stucky and joining me, as always, are my fellow BBOC co-hosts, Mike and Mike, Mike Calabrese and Mike Randall. A lot to get to today. We will add a, I guess, our, our penultimate future we have one more that we'll add next week to the portfolio we will talk the week that was key takeaway and then most importantly we'll get into the weekend go rapid fire around the horn style and talk about spots that we like on friday saturday and or sunday let's uh i guess before we dive right in uh, Calabrese, what's uh, I'll throw it to you for. I mean, first, the first thing I should say is we are less than 25 days from selection Sunday. This is you know, the next few weeks we're gonna have bubbles burst, we're gonna have you know, attorney bids locked up. The college basketball is about to hit its stride, and there's no better time of the year than March. We are almost there, but as far as this week. Leading up to the weekend, you got any key takeaways or rants that you want to get to? I'll, I'll start with you, Calabrese. Remember, this is a safe space. You know what pisses me off most of all? Okay, you're ranting now, baby. Yeah, I'm ranting. Why not? You gotta let it out somehow. My rant here, I kind of feel like a meteorologist where I'm pointing out to like a, a high pressure system and then things are happening in the Gulf and down the road, there's going to be this big storm everyone's got to brace for. The big storm is I think the mid-majors are going to get screwed on the bubble. And my indicator is the AP top 25. I know that's not a direct correlation, but there's only three mid-majors in the top 25. This isn't a good year for power program basketball. I think we can all agree that there's a ton of flawed teams, even in the top 15. But then when you look at the teams that these mid-majors are trying to compete with to squeeze into the top 25, you have a lot of teams catching votes that I am shocked by, like Virginia, I think is like 26th or 27th, Wisconsin, Michigan State, all right there on the cusp. Like USF, New Mexico, Utah State, Grand Canyon, McNeese, Drake, App State, there's good teams out there. But for some reason, the voters are still enamored with a Wisconsin team that's lost five of seven. And that includes a really ugly loss to Michigan and a win over Ohio State in that stretch. Virginia has what, two good wins the entire season, a three point win over Florida, one point road win at Clemson. They just lost by 34 at Vatek. It was by double digits at home to pit. Like, it, I just think these name brands are getting stickier and stickier in the minds of AP voters. 
And then Michigan State already has 10 losses, and they recently lost to Iowa and Minnesota. So I think this is just all going to end up breaking my heart on Selection Sunday, where I would much rather see a USF get in there or, you know, an extra team out of the Mountain West, as opposed to the broken down, you know, wagons of these power program teams that are going to lose like 12 or 13 games in the regular season and still sneak in. But I don't want to get too bitter about it before we get into some positivity. There's things to add to our futures portfolio. There's a lot of actually good spots, in my opinion, on Saturday to play. So I'm just trying to brace myself emotionally for the letdown that will be Selection Sunday. Yeah, my biggest beef with what is inevitably going to happen is, I mean, look, you could always argue this team or that team. The little guys always think it's I just hate when they the committee pits two really good mid-majors against each other in the first round. That's my biggest beef. And you have like two teams that could make a run and could be, you know, from a betting perspective, two teams that I'm looking to potentially back and then they end up playing each other. That's my biggest beef. My brand of the week though is, you know, not to be bitter, but playing off of you is what are, what are these rumors that they're going to, they're don't mess with the tournament. Like they're, they're going to, we don't need to look, you went to 68, whatever. It's fine. We, we, you know, you get a couple extra games, a couple extra teams in. It's all about TV, money. The first four, it's fine. Like 68 is fine. 64 was perfect, but whatever. We can live with 60. We don't need to mess with it anymore. Like, please, it is perfect. The NCAA tournament has worked for decades. It is one of the most perfect sports betting and sports entertainment products on the planet. Please don't mess with it. Uh, Randall, any thoughts there? And what do you got for the week that was? Yeah, once they went to 68, I mean, I, I feel like the 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 genie's out of the bottle here. So I, I'm open to see what they're going to do. I get it. We don't want to drag it on. But once you get bet down to 64, it's always going to be the real tournament. They can tell us about those first four games in Dayton. The tournament always starts on Thursday to me. They can say whatever they want. So however they dress it up, we'll find a way to wager on it. And we'll be ready once it starts for real when it gets down to 64. But my focus, guys, is we always talk about futures. And we're going to have some here. Let's really get into the conference tournaments, conference tournament season. At FTN, we got our model sims out. So I started trying to take a look at the power conferences and see where there's some value. And lo and behold, a team that we like, Clemson, Pittsburgh, those are some projected values. How about, you know, Florida, who played well against Alabama, Tennessee, I mean, Nebraska. Now they finally won on the road in Indiana. Could they make a run in the Big Ten tournament? It just has a feel, guys, here that there could be a lot of upsets in these conference tournaments and a lot of value. People wait to bet for March. You want to bet for the final four. You want to go those first round games. Guys, don't sleep on the conference tournaments. I mean, Stucky's a big fan of the small conferences as well. And we've talked here about Mike with all his small conference love. There are some great opportunities coming up. I can't wait for those to start. Not just looking here at the big conferences. I mean, suppose Washington State finds a way to beat Arizona tonight. There's just a lot of value here. And because the tournament projects to be so wide open, finally seeing Connecticut lose when Creighton hit 65 three-pointers against them at home, I just think that we're looking for conference tournament season. I can't wait for it to get started. It's not just about March. It's about building the bankroll for March Madness here. And there's some great value coming up. Yeah, well, that's a a natural, leads naturally into a plug for, this podcast, we will be doing previews for every single conference tournament. It is one of my favorite times of the year. It is an absolute grind, but it's a labor of love. I'll be doing every single one with some combination of you guys, the three man weave, and maybe Greg, and we'll cover every single 
conference tournament go through, you know, potential paths where the value is from betting perspective, talk matchups, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Those episodes are always awesome. So make sure you stay tuned for those as we approach conference tournament season. I, you know, I, and by the way, I think my, you mentioned that no Nebraska f- finally won on the road. You don't need to win on the road. My favorite stat of the week, I tweeted this out. Connecticut, two national titles over the past 10 years, maybe three. Oh, and 21 on the road against ranked teams over the I past. Couldn't, I couldn't believe that when you tweeted that out, Stuck. I was like, there, there's no way. There's just, I, I had to start double checking. And as soon as I saw like five or six recent losses, I was like, Jesus, this is actually. Well, true. granted, they weren't, they, don't, they weren't in the Big East until recently sure yeah so they it's not like so a lot of years you know in the american you didn't have a ton of uh ranked road teams you didn't play a ton of ranked games uh on the road up until recently but yeah owen 21 over the past decade with two national titles <laughs> they will get a chance at marquette but then now they're the favorite to win a third um <laughs> but we all know uconn doesn't win it when yeah, they got to be like a four seed. They got to be a four or a seven. Um, so we'll see what happens come tournament time. But I, I guess my biggest takeaway, I have two, because this will lead us into our futures. And this is all on me. We have two of our final four futures that I gave out. St. John's. What? I mean, the, yes, <laughs> thank God they held on to a lead against Georgetown. They, up, they were, their last five games, up 21 against Georgetown, win by five. Up 20 against Seton Hall and lose. Up seven against Providence, lose by three. Up 15 against Marquette, lose by 11. Up 30 against Paul. They went up, they're up 20 to 30 these last five games, and they've gone two and three. Now, I mean, they're they're underdogs to make the tournament now, but they will they have an un, unbelievable opportunity on Sunday against Creighton. You can't ask for a better spot. They lost by one at Creighton. Creighton's probably still celebrating their first win over number one team in program history. Got to get that game. And the same goes for Texas A&M. Texas A&M, who has, I think, they're they're the second most quad one wins in the country. They could lose to anybody on any given night. I mean, that's that's what makes them... They're two two and four straight up against the quad three, getting swept by Arkansas. I think that's it. If I'm on a committee, I'm closing the book on A&M. You get swept by Arkansas, you're not making the tournament. Yeah, the, the funny thing is, which, which is so stupid with these quad wins, is that because they lost to Arkansas again, their first loss becomes a quad three um, and or a quad two instead of a quad three. It's all yeah, it's, but, it's a moving target. Um, yeah, I mean, A&M, if they, look, they have a great chance at Tennessee. They have Tennessee and South Carolina coming up, um, and they got to win, I think, maybe both. or 100% they have to win at least one of them. But disappointing week on that front. But let's get to the futures portfolio. And for those new to the show, each week, I should say each Thursday night on our weekend episode, each of us brings a future. Could be anything. Could be conference, Final Four, national title, or any other derivative. And we make our case, and then we all vote on them. We have one national title future in Kentucky another team like AM I don't know Kentucky when the brackets come out what are you going to do with Kentucky they I mean they could lose to St Peter's again or they could go to the final four I don't I don't know uh that team can lose to anyone or beat anyone on any given day 
Kentucky national title future, Houston to win the Big 12, which looks really good, and then a handful of Final Four futures, which I mentioned before. You know, Wisconsin, we keep jinxing our teams, but Wisconsin, Clemson, South Carolina, all should get in. And we need Texas A&M and St. John's. Huge weekend and week ahead for those teams. And keep in mind, just when we're talking about the bubble, you can go to like Bracket Matrix or Torvik or Attorney Cast. You can look at, you know, the kind of the percentages of brackets that have certain teams in. And a lot's going to change over the next two weeks. And a lot of times teams play their way off of the bubble rather than into the field. So keep that in mind over the next couple of weeks. But let's get to another future. We're going to add one to the portfolio. So let's go to the futures roundtable. Randall, I will start with you. What are you bringing to the table this week? I have been besieged by questions about what is my Florida Atlantic of this year. So guys, I'm done giving middle teams that have a chance to make a run from the power conferences. Let's get a little nuts. I've had enough of doubting South Florida folks. And if you look at their resume no quad one wins i get it but you know what they have played exceptionally well lately and i saw all i needed to see against florida atlantic at home they are plus ten thousand to make the final four so what does this team bring us exactly well they bring us a great defense that's gotten better here within the aac they have the nation's second longest winning streak at 12 games and they bring in solid defensive metrics, holding teams down from inside the arc, good on the defensive boards, and they have a couple players who are flammable. Chris Youngblood and Celta Miguel, both of which have attempted over 133, shooting over 40% from three-point range. They have Pryor in the middle, who's very active, does a lot of good things, and none of them turn the ball over, guys. You don't have any turnover machines here, and Amir Abdul-Rahim has been a fantastic coach, did a great job with Kennesaw State, finally getting over the Liberty hurdle last year. Yes, South Florida doesn't have any big wins, and no one's really saying anything because they beat Florida Atlantic, but Florida Atlantic's down this year. Guys, this team could really be legit if they make it in. They have the profile with the big in the middle. They're well coached. They rebound the ball defensively, and they have some players in the backcourt who can get hot. So give me South Florida, a bit off the radar here, because I love my UNC Wilmington, but I can't see odds for them yet to make the Final Four plus 10,000. Randall getting a little crazy on this Thursday as we approach March with uh, the tournament in the air. All right, South Florida, super long shot to make the final four. I mean, I, I thought, why not get super crazy and just go for it to win the national title? But uh, <laughs> Calabrese, what do you got for this week? All right, all this bubble talk. How about a team to make the tournament? Colorado plus 320. I talked about them on the Saturday show. They end up coming back, beating USC, which was critical for them to split on that road trip in LA. The Buffs are probably going to be favored in four of their next five, including a critical lever, loser leaves town bubble battle with Utah. I think that could be a nice two for one for them. If they win that, they push Utah off of the bubble. And there's a ton to love. You know, Stuck's talked about it a lot on this podcast. They have three future NBA guys in Simpson, Williams, De Silva, all could be first-round picks. They're a great shooting team. They're top 10 in three-point percentage from the line, shooting from the field, shooting efficiency. 
that's pretty rare to get a team that is truly on the bubble. Because when you look at the advanced metrics that the committee will have in front of them as well, shot quality, 47th, Torvik, 40th, Ken Palm, 37th, Haslametrics, 28th. That is a lot of love for a team that just needs to get some more wins. And I think that they have the schedule down the stretch to not only start sacking some wins, but critically get that buy into the Pac-12 quarterfinals. Because if they get into the quarters, I think it's just going to require one win, get to the semis, don't get embarrassed, probably in a rematch with Arizona. And I think that will be enough for them to be on the right side of the bubble come selection Sunday. So a 4-1 and one finish to the regular season, 5-0. and oh, I think they get it done. I really like Colorado's ceiling because they're shooting. And I understand that they leave a lot to be desired when they leave Boulder, but at least they won't have to be playing on the road, you know, come tournament time, you know, on, on both the Pac-12 conference tournament and March Madness. So I like the Buffs to not only get in, but maybe win a game or two in the tournament. All right. Uh, I do think Colorado's eventually going to make it, so I, I don't mind that one. Um, but it's definitely going to be close. And every year we see, we might have to, we might have, to have this with like St. John's, or St. John's, or, um, you know, I took a flyer with Colorado to make the Final Four, Texas A&M. Almost every year, we see a team in that first four go on a run. They get that first win, and then you can win, you know, three or four games. It's, stuck, uh, it's, saw- it's, happened, stuck, it's happened every year except for one. Every year except for one, they've won at least two games. Yeah, VCU got to the Final Four, right, from, from that first four. All right, well, I'm going to go. Look, we need a horse. We need a horse. We have a lot of Final Four darts. And I'm I'm going to propose a national title future to add to the portfolio. I'm I'm betting this tonight myself. I haven't bet it because I'm waiting to uh, give it out on the podcast and um, wanted to talk about it here first. But I'm going, I'm betting Houston to win the national title. You give me a bracket right now. I'm filling it out. I'm putting Houston to win it. They treated us well, I think, assume with our Big 12 future. But I have them, my raw power ratings, have them three points better than every other team in the country, which is crazy. The market would not have that. So if they played UConn on the neutral court, they wouldn't be a three-point favorite. But that's where my numbers have them right now. This team has been dominant all year, and they've been dominant in the best conference top to bottom in the country in the big 12 they've done it on the road they've done it on neutral courts they've done it at home they're well coached i think that they're almost upset proof this team like they could get they could lose in you know the elite eight sweet 16 final four to a team that just goes nuclear from three but i don't think they're at risk of losing in the definitely not the first round but the second round they're getting to the second weekend I just trust Jamal Shedd and the way that he's playing right now. And, you know, with Cryer, Sharp, their rebounding ability, and it's just a historically great defense. I, if you give me Houston versus UConn on neutral, I'm taking Houston. You do the same with Purdue, I'm taking Houston. And here's the thing, you know, Arizona, Houston, even though I have them power rated number one, they're number one on Ken Palm. They're number one on any metrics uh, site. I think if you go to Torvik, he has them at 25% uh, probability to win the national title. But you're getting, you can get Houston at plus 950 to win the national title. UConn's at five to one. What's per, per, Purdue is at, at what, six, seven to one? 
I think Houston should be the favorite. They should be five, six to one. And we're getting value because they're just not sexy. And, you know, they're not the reigning champs like UConn is. I think this Houston team is the best team in the country. I think that they're pretty upset proof. They have the best defense. They have a floor general in Shed. And the thing that I love about the way Shed is playing right now is because, you know, Cryer is kind of like the guy, he's the wild card, right? Like if he's on and, you know, when he gets on, he can go, he can drop 30. But some nights he has an off night and Shed will just say, okay, I got to take over for, you know, if someone's in foul trouble, I got to take over 15 minutes to score here. And then, you know, if other guys are on, he's the facilitator. Um, he just runs that team so well. So you give me a bracket right now. Houston's going to be my champ. I think they're the best team in the country. I think that they should be the favorite to win, but they're not. They're just not, they just don't play a sexy brand of ball. But I think there's value in Houston to win it all. I propose them to be our horse to win the national title. We got UConn last year at 15 to 1. Let's add Houston at plus 950. So that's my case. Let's go to the voting. Before just before you jump into the voting, Stuck, I think just to add on one thing that Shed brings to the table. If you watch that Iowa State game, we make a lot of uh, points about, you know, making a deep run in March Madness. You need to have that floor general, someone you can trust with the ball in their hands. And that's absolutely true. But he is going to make life absolute hell for every other point guard that they're playing against. Lipsy didn't want anything to do with him by the second half. Like the amount of passes he was intercepting, like Lipsy's trying to make a skip pass across court. He's just trying to get the ball out of his hands. And he was just catching the ball on, you know, these these lob passes, just snatching it right out of the air. He's one of the best on-ball defenders that I've seen in many years in college basketball. And I think he has the potential to take any top point guard kind of out of their game. Like Lipsy, like I said, it, there was points in the game where he had, I think, like six or seven turnovers and didn't have any points yet on the floor. He just looked so overwhelmed. And I think the whole country is going to have to get used to that during the big dance because he's going to put a bunch of point guards in a straight jacket. Yeah. And you got to keep in mind that they don't, Arsenault is not even playing for that. I mean, he was, you know, he would be a big, uh, they would, that would be huge if they had him, but Malik Wilson is playing better of late. Emmanuel Sharp has been amazing. Um, you know, then you got just their, their factory of bigs down low with Roberts, Francis and company. They just seem to have a, uh, they just have like a, a back room where they produce these guys, but all right, let's, and, and like, and look, like I said, they don't turn the ball over. They're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. They're not a great shooting team, but they're not bad. And they offensive rebound almost all their misses and they're historically great defense. There's outside of like some, they take some bad shots on offense in the free throw line at times. This team's damn good. And they have a damn good coach. All right, let's go to the voting. Number one, USF. You're feeling crazy tonight. USF to win, to get to the final four. Number two, Colorado to get to the tournament and make the dance. And number three, Houston to win the national title. All right, three, two, one. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. This podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, Terms conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's a clean sweep. We are adding Houston to win the national title. Bye, Slamajama, baby. Let's get it. Let's look to go back-to-back. We had UConn last year. Um, and then this year we have Kentucky and now Houston, which now could change based on the bracket. But as of right now, it would be my pick to win it all. Randall, do you have any thoughts here? No, I wanted to get somebody there at the end to have an actual national championship, and that's what swung me here. Houston, at it, that odds are crazy. They're great on the neutral court. They're battling here on the road, and it makes total sense. We need somebody to have a future to win the national title, take us home here. That's what swung me. Love Colorado as well. They have, they're by low spot, a lot of talent there, Mike. But that's it. Let's get a powerhouse in our portfolio to carry us here all the way to the finals. Yeah. Yeah, and USF's definitely intriguing, but the I am a little bit worried. They've been running so hot from three on both ends. I'm worried when is that regression? It hit a little bit, and they still pulled it out at UTSA, but they've been shooting like forty over 40% from three for the last month. Teams shooting under 30%. That's not going to last forever, but uh, what a job Abdul Rahim has done down there with that team so far this year, and they're now the favorite to win – the regular season uh, title. Any thoughts you want to add, Calabrese, for Houston? No, j- just the the shed commentary. I agree that you know their their foul shooting scares me a tiny bit, um, but I, I wonder if that can just be something that they can address via coaching in late game scenarios, where it's like just get it to two or three of the guards and make sure that you're not setting up plays where you have players trapped in the corner. They're getting fouled because some of their bigs really it's it's not just purely their stats when you see them take a single foul shot you're like oh no like please please do not get this guy on the line many times because there's some unnatural strokes there for the Cougs um but yeah that's really the only blemish I think that is on their resume at this point yeah they're definitely going to leave some points on you know they're going to leave some points on the board from the line but that's mainly their bigs like Mm -hmm. Tugler Roberts Francis they're all like 50-50 50-50 guys from the line. I worry, but, it, you know, in end game scenarios, you have Cryer, Shed, and Sharp, who are all like 80-85% guys, which is a good thing. I, I also, I worry a little bit about, and Samson alluded to this uh, at the half in an interview during the Iowa State game. I worry about Roberts, just if he gets in foul trouble. He's pretty important to what they do. Um, that's something that would concern me, but I do think this is the best team in the country. The other thing, right. too, the other thing too, guys, is you're going to be Houston. It's not going to be on the second, in the second game of that weekend. It is very difficult to prepare for what they do. So you're going to have to focus on that first game. If you're going to pick them off, you got to pick them off in a Final Four. You got to pick them off in a Sweet Sixteen. 
because they are so tough to prepare for, to adjust to what they do. Cause you know, they're going to bring that effort. You know, they're going to be detail oriented on moving around on box outs. They're going to screen off to get the ball inbounds. They're going to do all the little things. So you really need time to prepare for them. So again, it makes it even harder. Cause I think it's hard guys to beat them on the second day in like a round of 32 or an elite eight, very difficult with Houston because of their unique style. That's a great point. Yeah. And I mean, they've breezed through the first weekend, the past couple of years, first and second round games, complete blowouts. And this, you got to remember this team two years ago, I mean, they have a ton of experience, this team with, I think Roberts and Shed were on that team when they went to, and I think both of them were starters. They went to the elite eight. They lost to Villanova that year. And a uh, a very good Villanova team that went to the final four. They lost that game, I think, 50 to 44. They went one of 21 from three. And I mean, you're going to lose if you go one of 21 from three most nights. Um, and uh, I mean, that team easily could have won the national title that year. And I think they're even better this year. All right, let's get to the weekend and we'll go rapid fire around the horn style and circle some spots that we have targeted calabrese i'll throw it to you do you, you're going to start us off with uh any a10 flavor or where are you headed right letter wrong conference i'm going to go acc here um i alluded to it kind of trashing them at the beginning of our program i don't think very much of virginia and if i can get less than four i'll lay it with the tar heels in, in charlottesville this number is discounted because the Tar Heels have two bad road losses in the past month at Georgia Tech, at Syracuse. They also dropped three neutral site games throughout the year to Nova, UConn, Kentucky. So they haven't been as strong away from the Dean Dome. But this UVA team is just dreadful from the field. They're 277th in shooting efficiency, one of the worst foul shooting teams in America on top of it, and they're below average on the glass. I don't understand why anyone's enamored with this team, why they spent some time in the AP Top 25. Additionally, you have UNC's attention. They're tied atop the ACC standings with Duke. And after months of consistent play from RJ Davis, he's been a little bit off. He's been shooting 38% from the field in their past six games. I think he's due to get back on track. And I think he does it here in this spot. So I'm going to go ahead. I would play it up to four. I think that Torvik has it at North Carolina minus two. I'd love it to get it at just, you know, a hair below that one possession, but I'm on the Tar Heels. Yeah, Virginia has been much better at home this year, but mm -hmm. I don't trust that offense as far as I can throw them. Um, and they, yeah, they just go through prolonged droughts. They struggle at the line too. And yeah, I, I don't mind North Carolina in that spot. Staying in the ACC, I have, I'm hoping we can get, look, the market in, in these spots is sometimes prices, prices is out. This year, but Wake Forest against Duke, they were what catching seven at Duke in a game where they went six of 26 from three. Duke had a really an enormous home Cameron whistle, and that game still went down to the wire. Horrible, horrible beat. If you had Wake Forest in that game, Duke with a run out dunk, Wake Forest misses the free throw. No one knew it was a uh, one and one and a very bizarre ending. But they Plus, were still we in that parlay. Game. Don't bring that up. Cost me a big time parlay that game. Oh, that my was God. A, a horrendous ending. But they were in that game. But Wake Forest now gets to play at home, win this game, punch your ticket to the dance. 
And they've been a juggernaut at home. They're 14 and 0. In league play, they're 7 and 0, winning by an average of 20 points per game, averaging 86 points per game at home in Winston-Salem. And they've basically been, if you just look at an advanced metric standpoint, since Efton Reed made his debut in I think early December, they've been a top 10 team if you just filter for all home games. And uh, Duke has some, I mean, look, there's some positive three-point regression that could work in Wake Forest's favor. Duke is, I believe, I mean, they've been benefiting from the three-point line. They were, let me pull up the numbers here. Duke is, just over the past two games, they're 23 of 45 from three, but they've won five straight. Their opponents are shooting just 23% from deep. And I haven't really been impressed with, many of their wins outside of that Wake Forest game where Wake just missed every three. Duke got a ton of calls. That still went down to the wire at Cameron. Yeah, they beat up on Miami, completely shorthanded Miami team that's in a tailspin. An extra day of rest and prep for Wake, who stays home. Duke's second straight road game. I think Wake gets it done here from a matchup standpoint with it, you know, Wake Forest with Efton, Reed, they're going to drop him, force you to operate in the mid-range, that's not where Duke has really been efficient this year. Duke still has trouble defending off the bounce, defending in isolation. Wake Forest have multiple guys that can take advantage, and they've just been a juggernaut at home. I like the Demon Deacons here to get the win at home over Duke and officially punch their ticket to the dance. Randall, any thoughts on either one of those ACC games, and what do you got? Yeah, the uh, Virginia. You know, I got in an argument with so many Virginia fans early on. Stop telling me about your two lottery picks unless they're going to the 7-Eleven in Reese Beekman and Ryan Dunn. Guys, they are not lottery picks. They are nice, good, solid defensive players in college, but they are so limited on offense. Tony Bennett does a great job. They recruit a certain type of player, and why they made the run is because they were elite shooters with Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy and all, all those players. But now they're just not at that level. So they once the game gets down, I mean, guys, what they score 13 points in the half of Virginia Tech. I mean, Virginia Tech is not that good. I mean, Duke just pushed them around there. I mean, it, it's just totally, totally off on Virginia as well. I'm looking to Friday night, guys. I've been impressed with Green Bay, the Phoenix all year. Sundance Wicks has done a great job with this team. They play at a very slow pace, but they're very good with the fundamentals. They're great on offense. They're great on rebounding. You don't get second chances against them, and they lock you down from beyond the arc. Tough loss to Northern Kentucky. Why? Because the Norse are the class of the Horizon League, and they always are very tough, and they're extremely well coached. Now they had a couple days, they had over a week to think about it, and they're home now against Purdue-Fort Wayne. This Purdue-Fort Wayne team has struggled here on the road. You saw them away at Cleveland State get blown out. They even lost to Bobby Morris, Youngstown State. Not a vintage team here for Purdue-Fort Wayne. Normally they can put up a lot of points. They're not going to do it against Green Bay. This Green Bay team is well coached. Yes, they are trailing Oakland. Oakland could lose tonight. They could get back in the Horizon League race. But even if they don't, it's been a tremendous job by the Phoenix. They're great fundamentally. They're great at home. They're solid on defense. And Purdue-Fort Wayne does not impress me on either side of the ball, especially with the turnovers. So I'll take Green Bay here. It's going to be home, laying a couple points to Purdue-Fort Wayne. I think they win this game comfortably on Friday. Very impressed with the Phoenix this year. I think this is the first sighting of a Mastodon's play, either tail or fade, in the history of uh, this pod. So welcome to the party, guys. Yeah, how bad, by the way, was Will Ryan uh, at Green Bay? Right, I mean, right. Oof. They were, last year, they were one of the worst teams in the country. They had three wins. One by one over Milwaukee in overtime. They beat UMKC and IUPUI at home. That was it. 
they were one of the worst teams in the country. And now um, Wick says them as uh, with 17 wins already this season. Uh, so he's done a tremendous job there. Calvary's what else you got? So it was a weird week for coaches calling out their teams. You know, Penny, I thought, kind of did it in the right way, way where he was talking about motivation. Mizzou's head coach, Gates, kind of got into, you know, just the effort and what you need to do specifically for rebounding. And then you had Mr. Scorched Earth, Rick Patino, just throwing his whole team under the bus, backing it up, rolling over him again. I like what Hurley did following the UConn loss. If you watched his presser, he said, we did a bad job of coaching. I did a bad job of coaching. Our kids didn't play well. We hadn't lost in two months, and I think that we were just shocked by the fact that Creighton was knocking down threes. So I think the way that he phrased it and framed it, I see UConn bouncing back in the spot against Villanova. It's kind of like a pseudo-revenge spot. I know that they beat Nova, but it was a one-point game down in Philly, and I think the Wildcats have their attention. So I don't think you're going to see UConn look past them at Gamble. And I've railed against Villanova plenty of times this year. They just can't shoot. They're 256 and four percentage. They got fewer than eight offensive rebounds per game, which is 260th in the country. And Klingon has played a lot better since that last meeting against the Wildcats. I think he's kind of the difference maker if he can stay out of foul trouble. And when you look at what Nova's done on the road recently, lost to Xavier, lost by seven at Butler, lost by 20 at St. John's, lost by 13 at Marquette. I think the die is kind of cast with this Wildcat team. They, you know, they can't shoot to begin with, but it only gets worse on the road. So I think UConn's going to get back on track here, win comfortably by what's called 15 to 20 points. If I can get somewhere in that 11 to 12 point range, I'll lay it. I will throw out uh, this is a random spot, but ETSU are going to be catching double digits at Sanford. Sanford, huge come from behind win in thrilling fashion over Furman, pretty much locked up. The SoCon one seed, the SoCon regular season title. They pretty they just need to win one of their because of tiebreakers, one of their last three games, which uh, they play Wofford and home against the Citadel. But first they host East Tennessee State. East Tennessee State, not anything to write home about, but they did take at home, they played Sanford very tight. It was a three-point Sanford win. And in that game, ETSU, the Bucks did a couple of things really well. They crashed the offensive glass, one of the best offensive rebounding teams uh, in uh, in the SoCon and among all mid-majors, and they got to the line a ton. And they can repeat that here. Those are two vulnerable ar- areas of Sanford. And more importantly, I, I mean, Sanford, not only is it a tough spot, it's like you came back, you beat firm, and you pretty much wrapped up everything. I mean, Two of their starters, who are potential all-league players, A.J. Staten McRae, he was in a boot, didn't play. And then your boy, Randall, a chore, he was in a boot, tried to play, couldn't, only only could go nine minutes. Quick turnaround at home. You already pretty much have everything wrapped up. I doubt they play. I don't even know if they're healthy enough to play, but why would you risk it? So I'm going to look to – get ETSU on the open. So I think Sanford in a bad spot is going to be severely shorthanded. And ETSU has a couple paths to success here. Offensive rebounder 38th in the country in that aspect. And now if a chore doesn't go, he's their best rebounder. He's also their best defender. Um, but they can live on the offensive glass here. They can get to the line a ton against Sanford and that aggressive defense. I hate ETSU because they just chuck a ton of threes and they're a horrendous shooting team. But 
they are shooting like I think over the past month like 24% from three. They're not that bad. So they have some potential. A lot of times when you see these teams, and from a power ratings, or if you go to Ken Palm, you see these teams drop or rise a lot, you know, over the course of three weeks. A lot of that is just three-point variance, right? You have a game where you go one of two, you have a, you know, a three-game stretch where you go, you know, you shoot eight eight percent from three and you get blown out. Well, from a metric standpoint, you're it's gonna hurt you a ton. But really a lot of that was just three-point variance. And on the flip side, if you were red hot for five or six games, you might rise up uh, analytically in your profile. But really, it was just three-point variance. And those are some of the teams that I'm either looking to back or fade. And in this case, I think East, East Tennessee State will make a – you know, the last the last few weeks of the season, we'll probably make a few more shots. So I'll be looking to back the Bucks. Good spot against a, in all likelihood, shorthanded Sanford team. Randall, what else you got? I love East Tennessee State because for some reason, guys, VMI just continues to get down early against teams and then miraculously cover in the second half. They've been down like 20 points, so they played East Tennessee State, who was burying them by over 20 points, the old backdoor cover getting 15 and lost by 13. So cheers to East Tennessee State for keep it going. Guys, I am not going to be here on Saturday. The reason I'm not going to be here is we're putting the entire Randall family in the truckster with Chevy Chase and heading up to Amherst, Massachusetts for a family get-together, which means I am going to be in attendance for UMass St. Bonaventure. Last two times, last time this, these teams played, guys, UMass handled them. Why? Because they are very physical and they score on the interior, which is where St. Bonaventure is terrible on defense. They were up big and it was a terrible beat where St. Bonaventure just got on fire in the last minute and a half, ran off a ton of points and covered the six-point spread, even though UMass led from start to finish. So I think UMass, Matt Cross was questionable for the last game. He played and they looked fantastic. This UMass team is dangerous, not just because of my heart with my head, I still think Dayton is vulnerable in the A-10 tournament. Well coached by Frank Martin. All you need, like you say, Stucky, is some regression from three-point wrench because they play defense and they're physical and they rebound and they can score inside. St. Bonaventure, that's their weakness. UMass should have got the win at St. Bonaventure. I think they get it here. What is the line? Three, four, whatever it is. I'm going to lay it. UMass is tough at home. They played well under Frank Martin. I think they get a win here that they should have had when they played the Bonnies the first time. Yeah, and Bonnies... They've had a couple moments, but for the most part, have not been great on the road. But yeah, UMass looked, you know, with a healthy cross, they're talked about it a lot this year, but they're a different team. And they looked super impressive in that blowout win over VCU. So in uh enjoy the safe travels and enjoy the trip. Uh UMass definitely is going to be in the conversation when we talk about the A ten tournament, fully healthy. They're going to be a problem with that offense. Calbreeze, what else you got? Rare opportunity for a game gambling two-step. I took AM to beat Tennessee. Now I'm going to turn around and fade the Aggies. I'll lay if this is 11, 12. I don't care. I mean, AM is just in a tailspin right now. And they were lucky against the balls because we needed them to do one thing. It was make threes, which they haven't been able to consistently do all season. They made 11 threes in College Station, and they whooped Tennessee. Since then, they've lost to Vandy, Bama by 25, Arkansas by 7. Their at-large hopes are on life support. Meanwhile, the Tennessee team defensively has really sharpened their focus since that loss you know, holding Arkansas to 63, Bandy to 53, Mizzou to 67. They've been winning some games because of their defense, not just outscoring everybody. And they can still win the SEC, but they probably need to go four and one or win out 
And with games against Auburn, Bama, South Carolina, Kentucky, all on deck, they can't slip up here. So you get the revenge factor. You get the the focus play on the defensive end, needing to get this win as a way to kind of hit and head into those last four games with a little bit of wiggle room. And I think it also helps. They're nine and four against the spread on their home floor this season. AM just one and three against the spread as a road dog. I think this is the time to step away from the table when it comes to the Aggies. I think their season's just about cooked. And this is going to be one of the last nails in the coffin. I'm going to disagree. Maybe we'll go head to head on the show Saturday. Yeah. I'm looking to back Texas AM. I backed them the first matchup. They can, they're one of the few teams that can match the physicality at least of Tennessee, which I think is important. Like Tennessee's like plays like grown men. And so AM does three things at a top 50 rate nationally. They don't turn the ball over. They offensive rebound and they get to the foul line. And those are three really important factors against Tennessee and connect. He's I, I just think he's a defensive liability in this particular matchup. Him and Barnes were going at it the entire game. They had to sit him against A&M because he couldn't stay in front of either of the Texas A&M guards. I would expect Texas A&M, who was just an embarrassing loss at home. I would expect their best effort here from Taylor, from Radford and this is a team we've talked about it. They're one of the most inconsistent teams in the country. They could beat anyone. They beat mm-hmm. Iowa State in a neutral in basically a road game. They took Houston down to the wire. They have six quad one wins. And Tennessee, I know they have revenge from that game, but next week, you know, it's still Texas AM that's lost three straight. They're going to come in as a more desperate team here. Next week, Tennessee has Alabama and Auburn, and games are going to decide the SEC. So maybe they get caught peeking ahead a bit. And Buzz Williams is an underdog. Of more than six points, most profitable coach out of over 900 coaches in that spot over the past 20 years. Uh, he's been just unbelievable in the underdog role. I think you get their best effort here. I think they get after the offensive rebound. They don't turn the ball over, and then get to the free throw line. Yeah, they're going to have to make some shots, but I expect Radford and Taylor to bounce back. I wouldn't be shocked if they pull it off. Uh, I, I wouldn't. I, I'm really not shocked at any result uh, that A and M has, but I definitely prefer them as an underdog. Randall, do you want to break the tie? Who would you take? Say, let's say the spreads. What's Ken Bomb have it at? Ten, eleven. Let's say let's call it ten and a half. Who are you taking? Well, I'll take Tennessee. I I agree. I I agree with Michael on this one. I I think the Volunteers are uh, to me, guys. They're one of my favorite futures. I think they have it all. I get it with Texas A&M, but again, the losses have concerned me. They are not consistent here. Payback spot for Tennessee. I know he's a defensive liability. If this game was at Texas A&M, maybe I'd feel that way. But Tennessee, to me, is coming out. I believe they are an elite team and a legitimate national championship contender. And I think you get a huge effort like they did in the Kentucky game here. I think they put the wood to Texas A&M. Basically, the way I see it stuck is it's like instant pancakes. Like their rebounding is the flour mix. Like the fact that they don't turn the ball over is the eggs. But if you can't shoot from the perimeter, you have no milk. You have no water to go into this. You're not making the pancakes. So like I think Texas or Tennessee is just going to pack it in inside and say, okay, make 12 threes again. Like actually be able to shoot because they were the worst shooting team in the SEC from the perimeter. And it's one thing to do it at home. It's another thing to do it on the road. I, I agree that there's a chance that there's a look-ahead factor, at least for the players on the floor, but I think the fans are going to be highly engaged in this one. And I think if AM gets off to a slow offensive start, they're going to be all over them in this game. 
Yeah. All right, Randall, what else you got? Last one I got, guys. Mother of God game for Danny Hurley and UConn. Villanova is just not this year playing with any sort of consistency. Yes, they make their free throws. Yes, they play at a slow and deliberate pace. And yes, this game, the first time they played them was 66-65 at home. But UConn is now ready to roll. They lost that game. They've been blitzing teams at home. They just get out in transition. If Villanova gets down, they are in trouble. They are really a glorified Virginia in my mind. Have not shown the cohesiveness. You need to shoot well from three. You need to battle them on the boards. And you're going to have UConn wanting to get out and run here coming off a loss. Forget that Danny Hurley put out that silly little gif on X. I just think UConn has been dominant. Last time we saw them at home, guys, what they do to Marquette? This team is just totally superior to Villanova in every single way. Now you have them come off a loss. They beat Xavier at home by 40. They beat Providence by 20. They beat Marquette by 28. Enough. I think they cover. It's going to be 10, whatever it is. I don't think Villanova is long in the tooth. I don't think they're a tournament team. And I think this is a really bad spot. I can't even get to a rationale that Villanova covers this number against UConn. Fans are going to be crazy. They're going to hit some threes to start. 15 to five, timeout Villanova, and away we go. Good stuff there. You guys are on the same page with UConn. Uh, let me throw out another spot here. I mean, I guess I got I to gotta bring up my cats. Kentucky at home against Alabama, hoping to get around a pick. Alabama is not the same team on the road. Why? Okay, so that's we people always say that. Why? So every team is worse off on the road, but specifically, or I should say, especially Alabama, who per Haslam metrics are 352nd in away from home metric. Why is that? Well, two reasons. Their shooting goes way down. They're shooting 33% from three on the road, over 41% at home. I think that's like fifth or sixth in the country actually a tick below what Kentucky shoots at home and their defense falls off a cliff. Their adjusted efficiency per Torvik in road games, 190th in the country at home, 35th. And there's some key personnel issues here for Alabama. The Charles Reitzel, I assume he's not playing. I don't think he's going to play as a concussion. Didn't suit up last game. He's critical on both ends of the floor. He's their best perimeter defender, and he's been an absolute flamethrower, shooting over 50% from three on the season, 40 in league play, 45% in the season on the high volume. And because he didn't play last game, you had the entire, you know, Estrada, Sears, they had to play, you know, over 40 minutes in an overtime game. Quick turnaround here. And now throw in the fact, Wagi, their best overall defender, he got suspended for, I think, an elbow. So Alabama is going to be severely shorthanded here. Both defenses have major issues, but I trust Kentucky at home. Still don't trust Alabama on the road, and they're at full strength. I expect them to bounce back from that LSU loss, and this Alabama team just not the same at home. And Kentucky's defense has at least you know, they made a few tweaks, has at least showed some improvement, small sample, but since getting cooked by Gonzaga, and they've gone on the road twice, including to Auburn LSU, fifth in overall defensive adjusted efficiency. We'll see if they can keep that up. But I like the spot for Kentucky. We can get them around a pick. Fabrice, you got anything else? No, that's it. I um I do like the Kentucky play, particularly coming off of the way things ended against LSU. They finally get a a, a would be game winning shot. I think Kentucky had gone on that long run of not making shots in those spots. And then they played pretty good defense. It was just kind of a, a weird ending there. So 
I, I think this is a good opportunity to take advantage of kind of a market overcorrection going against Big Blue Nation. Yeah. Uh, do I have anything else I want to throw out? It's probably a good spot for UCF at home. Buy low, sell high. Texas Tech, they've been much better at home. They just come off that thrilling win against TCU. They have Texas on deck. Now they travel to UCF. That game in Lubbock was a two-point game with a minute to go. And Diallo didn't even play in that game. He's important for offensive rebounding for UCF, which is where they can live in this game. UCF, an elite defense. Uh, and they their defense at home is just on a different level. Especially when Shamari is in the lineup, he missed a couple games. You remove them. This has been a top 10, 15 defense. And I don't think what Warren Washington is going to play. He's so important to Texas Tech. And they just get small so quick. Their rim defense falls apart. And UCF, their offense can be hard to watch. But, I mean, you want to talk about a team that has some potential positive looming shooting regression. Over the past month, I mean, they're at like 23 percent from three they're not a good shooting team but they're not that bad i think it's a good spot to back ucf and i don't want to throw anything else out i will mention a brutal travel spot long beach tonight they play bakersfield then they go to the island to take on hawaii who's playing better of late with hawaii as revenge Hawaii's at the week off so i mean just a brutal travel spot you're playing thursday then have to go to the big island to play hawaii team that has had the week off last played last Saturday. I have a couple more spots that I'll have written up on actionnetwork.com and the Action Network app, but that will do it for us. Added a horse to the futures portfolio. Talked a little games this weekend, a few rants. It's getting good. We're under 25 days of selection Sunday. March will be here before we know it. I do actually have one final thing to do. I, I said I'd do some giveaways. Let's do uh, two here. So leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts and say whatever, as long as it's a five-star review, and uh, we'll send you some gear. So let's go with Logan12348. I was told it didn't matter what I write, as long as it's five stars from some BBOC gear. That's it. That's all it takes. Thank you, Logan. So reach out to... Uh, myself or our producer at old boy uncle mitch on twitter or email podcast at actionnetwork.com and we will get you some gear that's all it takes it's that easy and if you've already left a review before just grab someone's phone and do it on theirs and then let's go with uh, original cp3 it's not his title of head coaches it's not just the head coaches you should check out the salaries of all the athletic department administration administrators not just in the high majors i coached at a mid-major without a football program eight of the top 10 owners in the department for administrators. They absolutely did not deserve. That's it. I don't know what, I don't know what uh, original CB3 is talking about, but he left the five-star review. So send him some gear, reach out. Thank you, CB3 and Logan. Those really helped us out. But make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like and subscribe button. Thank you to Mike and Mike for joining me. Safe travels to Mike this weekend. We'll miss you on BBOC Live, 10.30 a.m. Eastern. We'll tweet out that link on X or Twitter and make sure tell a friend, tell an enemy. Thanks to our producer on the back end. Thanks most importantly to all of you for listening. Good luck on all of your wages this weekend. We will see you Saturday for BBOC Live, 10.30 a.m. Eastern. And then for the re recap, weekend recap, Monday 
afternoon. Good luck on all the radios. Cheers. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.